Welcome to Better Animal Handling, Chapter 3, Episode 16. Center of Missouri, USA. I'm C.B. Chastain, your guide to better animal handling. And Abby, my cattle dog, an opinionated co-host. Say hi, Abby. Our goals are to improve your knowledge of why domestic animals from Chihuahuas to Clydesdales act as they do and how to better handle them safely and humanely. Today's episode's on dog containments. Our topics for this week are dog cages, crates, Runs, houses, fences, tethering, entering and exiting dog enclosures. Dog containment can be indoor or outdoor. Outdoor housing must provide protection from the extremes of temperature, air movements, moisture, light, and other climate elements. Cage containment of a dog should be in a quiet area and the front should not provide vision of animals in other cages. The size should be appropriate for the dog being contained. If the cage or crate is too large, the dog may feel soiling an end or corner is permissible. If the containment size is too small, it may restrict the dog's ability to relax, and if it eliminates, cause soiling of its hair coat. The U.S. Animal Welfare Act 1966 states that dog cages for short-term confinement must provide a dog the ability to sit, stand up, turn around freely, and lie fully recumbent in a natural position. Flooring should be at least partial solid flooring. Dogs should never be restricted to bare wire bottom containment. This causes pressure sores that can become smeared with excrement and leads to serious infections of the feet and bony points of the legs. Each dog should have at least a square of the sum of the dog's length, from its nose to the base of its tail, plus six inches. This measurement provides the square inches required. The minimum square footage can be determined by using a product of the measurement divided by 144. For minimum height, at least six inches of room above the dog's head should be required when it's in normal standing position. More than standard minimal room is needed for nursing dams with puppies. A minimal exercise area of at least twice the area of the cage is also required. Ventilation should be adequate to avoid drafts, noxious or harmful odors, excessive humidity, and temperature extremes. Transport cages for temporary enclosure during travel or crates for short-term restricted activity can be smaller. Only enough room to stand, turn around, and lay down with its legs stretched out is sufficient room since being crated should only occupy the inactive time of the dog's day, such as sleeping, naps, feeding, and resting, and should never exceed six to eight hours at a time, even less for puppies. Fixed cages are generally in banks of two or three cages high. Banks of dog cages should not be positioned to face each other. Upper cages require extra vigilance 
to prevent a small animal from jumping in or out. Bending over to remove dogs from lower cages can intimidate dogs and result in defensive attacks from fearful dogs or perceived as a challenge to a dominant aggressive dog. However, most dogs are anxious to escape and can be caught inside the cage at the door with a slip leash by opening the cage door just wide enough for a hand holding a slip leash to enter and apply the leash. Dogs need environmental enrichment for mental stimulation, as do all confined animals. For example, providing food-filled toys or other enrichment activities improve the behavior of shelter dogs and increases the chance of being adopted. Social interaction is also important, and full body contact with compatible, healthy dogs should be permitted daily. If dogs and cats are caged in the same facility, dog and cat cages should be in separate rooms. Abby says she thinks cat cages should be surrounded by armed guards and towers. Portable cages include rigid clamshell transport crates that can act as dens for training and help retain body heat. Wire transport cages allow for visual contact with handlers or other dogs. Wire cages are built to collapse flat for storage when not in use. Wire cages are also easier to see into and to monitor if the cage gets soiled. In addition, it allows air circulation to reduce the risk of overheating. A solid bottom tray should always be used with wire bottom crates. Dogs should not be forced to stay on mesh wire bottoms or they will suffer foot injuries and infections. Collars with tags should be removed from dogs in wire crates due to the risk of being caught on the wire and strangulation occurring. Soft-sided bags are convenient transport cages for cats and small dogs. However, they provide less protection from injury and can be excessively confining. Crates can be used as a source of refuge from various stresses for dogs. Placing a towel or blanket over a wire cage can provide some dogs a sense of security when in the crate. Crate training puppies can reduce the risk of several behavioral problems such as house soiling, destructive chewing, digging, unnecessary barking, howling, and separation anxiety. Crate training aids in establishing the proper bond between dogs and owners since the owner is better able to control the dog's activities. The crate door should not be closed the first time the dog enters. The dog should enter voluntarily and be able to leave on its own for a couple of days before closing it for extended times. Soft bedding should be provided in the crate and treats offered when the dog enters the crate. Nothing adverse, which includes no reprimands, should occur when the dog is in the crate. The dog should never be told to come and then shoved into the crate. Although most dogs seek out time in their crate for rest and security, inappropriate training or excessive use of crates can lead to separation anxiety and stereotypic behaviors. Crates should be matched to the size of the dog. A crate should be large enough for the dog to easily stand up, turn around, and lay down on its side with his legs outstretched, but small enough to discourage the dog from soiling the crate. Growing dogs may need to have multiple crates of various sizes. Matching the dog's size with a crate provides the opportunity to carry a small dog in his crate. 
Although crates have top handles for carrying them when empty, the handler should use both hands when carrying a crate with a dog in it to stabilize the crate's floor. The crate to be carried with a dog in it should be covered with a towel to reduce overstimulating the dog with fear or excitement. Healthy dogs should be given the opportunity to exercise in a normal manner. For example, each day a dog should be allowed to achieve a running stride. Kennel runs should have a solid wall with at least four feet of vertical visual isolation from other runs and protection from male dogs and adjacent runs urinating from one run to another. The remainder of the run wall should be 3 8 inch stainless steel rods to promote adequate air circulation. Urine should not be able to run in any direction other than toward the run's floor drain. The door may be hinged or sliding. Hinged doors should only open outward to prevent accidental wedging of a struggling dog attempting to escape. Outdoor runs should have a contiguous escape-proof roof. If not on concrete, Wire mesh should be buried around the inside of the perimeter to prevent a dog escaping by digging out. Dog houses are for moisture-proof, wind-proof shelter from intense sunlight, rain, snow, sleet, and hail. If properly constructed and sized for the dog, it can provide passive warmth. To fit the dog, the house should be just large enough for the dog to stand up on all four feet comfortably, turn around, and lay down on its side. If it's larger, it may not sufficiently entrap the dog's body heat in winter. The door should be relatively small, only slightly higher than the top of the dog's shoulders. There should be a flexible, water-resistant door flap, a self-closing door, or an interior partial partition that creates a small hallway entrance that prevents wind from blowing directly into the house. For further wind protection, the house should be located on the east or southeast side of a larger structure, such as a house, garage, barn, or shed. With the door to the doghouse facing east or southeast away from prevailing winds. The floor of the doghouse should be solid and raised at least two inches up from the ground for insulation. The roof should be hinged to prevent easy cleaning. Soft insulating bedding, old shredded clothes, blankets, commercial dog beds, or hay that cannot be dragged out of the doghouse should be provided in winter months. Bedding should be replaced or cleaned on a regular basis. Straw is poor bedding for dogs because it's typically dusty and will prick and irritate the skin. Only dogs that have a dense hair coat for colder weather and has time to gradually adapt to declining temperatures should be maintained outdoors with a doghouse. Mesh wire fences are typical yard containment for dogs. Wire 2x2 or 2x4 inch mesh, yard and kennel, woven wire, galvanized fence, three to five feet tall is economical and safe fencing for dogs. Flat surface mesh wire reduces the chance of dogs climbing over corners. Chain link is more common, but it's easier for dogs to climb out, especially at fence corners. 
An invisible fence is an enclosure that functions by using electric shock to deter a dog from leaving an area surrounded by buried perimeter wire, which delivers the shock. The system consists of a combination of a perimeter wire buried up to 8 inches deep, a radio signal generator, and a special collar containing a battery-driven radio receiver. As the shock receiver collar-wearing dog approaches the perimeter, the collar will issue a warning beep. If this is not a sufficient deterrent, the dog will receive a shock. Ten minutes of training per day for two weeks is recommended to familiarize dogs to the system. Temporary flags marking the perimeter may aid in initial training. The dog must be shocked at least once to learn the consequences of ignoring the warning or perimeter flags. Potential drawbacks to invisible fencing are system failure due to weak or dead collar batteries or a broken perimeter wire. No barrier exists for animals without a special collar to discourage them from entering the yard, which leaves the contained dog vulnerable to injury or death by roaming dogs. Abby says that invisible fencing is like leaving the front door of your house open 24 hours a day. The charge may be insufficient for dogs with thick hair coats without the neck being groomed, and excessive shock may occur if the dog's hair coat gets wet. Some dogs wearing a receiver collar will bound through an invisible fence line with high excitement, but then refuse to return for fear of being shocked. Some dogs fight going past the perimeter fence even if the fence electricity is off or they're not wearing a receiver collar. People or other animals may unknowingly venture into the confinement and be bitten. An indoor version of an invisible fence is available to limit the dog's range of movements inside a house. These electroshock devices are wireless and use either a base unit with a range that is permitted before a shock occurs to the dog wearing the receiver collar or uses movable transmitters that establish boundaries that, if passed, causes a shock to the dog wearing the receiver collar. Tethering dogs for long periods on a chain, rope, or cable is contrary to proper socialization of dogs. The majority of U.S. states have anti-tethering laws. Being tethered separates dogs physically and psychologically from members of a dog, human, or other surrogate family. Tethered dogs become overly protective of their small territory and defensive knowing that they cannot escape. Tethers can become wrapped around or over objects or tangled, causing strangulation, leg injuries, or preventing the dog from escaping an attack by another dog, malicious humans, wild animals, or stinging insects. Tethers can also prevent access to food or water, or the avoidance of being forcibly bred. Tethered dogs usually wear down the vegetation, leaving only dirt or mud to lie on. In addition, owners who tether dogs are less likely to clean up the area of feces. Many tethered dogs hang themselves to death, attempting to jump or climb over objects or falling off of elevated surfaces. A study by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control reported that tethered dogs are three times more likely to bite than dogs that are not tethered. Children under 12 years of age are five times more likely to be bitten by a tethered dog. 
tethering on a dog trolley, a tether attached to a slip ring on a horizontal line similar to a clothesline, prevents the tether to slide along the horizontal line. This may increase the dog's territory, but it does not eliminate the problems associated with tethering. Doors and gates on cages and runs should always open to the outside. When putting a dog into a cage, the dog should be placed in the cage while holding onto its collar and closing the cage door onto the handler's dog restraining arm. The door is closed against the arm as the dog is released and the handler's arm is then slipped out of the cage. When putting a dog into a run, the dog should be led in and then turned around. Trying to stand outside the run and force the dog in should be avoided. The run gate should be open only wide enough to allow the handler's body enough room to exit sideways while blocking the dog from escaping with the handler's leg if necessary. The handler's hand should not be used to attempt to block an escape. When exiting an enclosure, a slip leash should be applied to the dog while it's still in the cage or run, even if it's small and will be carried. Applying the leash should be done by opening the cage or run door just wide enough to insert the arm with the leash and slip it over the dog's head. If capturing a dog in a run, the handler can carefully enter the run and apply the slip leash if an assistant can hold the run door closed after the handler enters and open it when needed. Now, let's recap the key points to remember from today's episode. Temporary confinement for dogs must have enough room for the dog to stand, turn around, and lay down with its legs outstretched. Crates should be a stress-free refuge for a dog. Dog houses shouldn't be no larger than that required for a dog's normal stance, turning around, and laying down on its side so that adequate warmth is retained. Invisible fencing does not prevent invasion by roaming dogs. Tethered dogs are more likely to become aggressive. Abby says it's time to wrap up this episode. More information on animal handling is available in my book, Animal Handling and Physical Restraint, published by CRC Press. It's also available on Amazon and from many other fine book supply sources. Additional information is available at Better animalhandling.com. Don't forget that serious injury or death can result from handling and restraining some animals. Safe and effective handling and restraint requires experience and continual practice. Acquisition of the needed skills should be under the supervision of an experienced animal handler. Thanks for listening. Abby and I will hope you come back next week when I talk about containment for cats. Hey, Abby, what containments do you recommend for cats? Really? I don't think handcuffs and a straitjacket are the best approach. <laughs> <laughs>